0: Uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 21 this morning, verses 12 through 15 to get started. Uh, Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 through 15. I just want to just basically just preach to you on the subject, the house, the house. Uh, look at it as the church. You can uh, look at it as our temple. Uh, but uh, I just want to take a few moments. I, I want to just kind of uh, get through this truth just uh, as quickly as God will allow me because I have just really felt in my spirit uh, that we need to bring uh, the CF&I students back uh, for this altar call, this altar service. I think maybe there was some that wasn't able to be here uh, last week for some reason or another, uh, and uh, you... you Missed on getting in on this, and uh, maybe there's just some that uh, you know through the week uh, you have just feasted off what God did in your life. But once again, and, and I think as we get into this word and move through it, that uh, we'll kind of get a better understanding, uh, unify ourselves a little more together uh, on on what's going to be happening in this altar service. Uh, but uh, I'm once again looking for a phenomenal move of God. Amen. I I think we've already experienced a phenomenal move of God already in this house. And I just feel the love and the Spirit of God here. Uh, But I believe there's more. Amen. Uh, I I believe this thing's about to uh, escalate. Uh, But Matthew 21, beginning there at verse 12. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying, selling, animals for sacrifice he knocked over the table of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves he said to them the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer or my house will be called a house of prayer but you have turned it into a den of thieves the blind and the lame came to him in the temple or in the house and he healed them the leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children not only was the adults, but heard even the children in the temple or in the house shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But the leaders were indignant. Now, Jesus enters the house and he finds everything politically correct. I mean, you talking about a church house that's politically correct this one was. The leadership is all in place. The leading priests are there. The teachers of the religious law, they're all there. I mean, man, from, from the top to the bottom, they've got the leadership. Oh, man, I can just see them now all dressed in their colorful robes. And, and oh, man, got their prayer shawls. And, and boy, they, they've, got, they've got things together. They're overlooking. They're overseeing this thing. And all the business is in order. I mean, they've got their tables, they've got their chairs, they're selling these sacrifices and and, and these doves and everything, and they're changing the money, and and, and boy, they've got it all together. I mean... The order of business is there in the house. Everything is politically correct. And even, hey, there's even a promotion of religious sacrifice. The promotion of religious sacrifice has the floor there in that house. When you look at that temple, when you look at that house in that day, it was absolutely politically correct. And at first glance, it looks like the place to be it looks like the house to be in it looks like the house to be a part of i mean everything is just moving along wonderfully but to the trained eye of truth its fraudulent ways cannot be hidden there's no true prayer there's no true praise and there's no true healing happening in that house so jesus quickly takes this place of political correctness and he transforms it into a place of biblical correctness wow and when he does true praise breaks out the adults the children true worship prayer breaks out they begin to praise it they begin to pray praise God for the son of David they're praying to God giving him thanks for the son of David and there's healing that begins to break forth like the morning sun in that house The blind and the lame begin to come and Jesus begins to heal them. Can you see the transformation that takes place in that house immediately as Jesus begins to take political correctness and transforms it into biblical correctness? What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that we see happening there the most important thing that we will do here this morning and that we will ever do, and that is to get it biblically correct. We will never do anything more important in this house and in this house than get it biblically correct. Now I want to shift this thing to 2 Kings 4, 1 and 2. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? 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 Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I'm glad she didn't stop there. Some churches are stopping right there. Nothing at all. But she goes on, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. You see, the thing that I notice, that there's a threat of enslavery. A spirit, a threatening spirit to enslave what belongs to her. She said, when you you research and you look at that story and you read it, you find that she was in debt that she could not pay. And there was a threat of the creditors that were going to come and take her sons, sell them into slavery to pay her bill that she owed. Now we can relate that to many in this house today. There's just there's always a threat that's hanging over God's church and his people. And so many people they they feel a threat against their body, soul, or spirit. Maybe it's finances as, as we were just discussing, or or maybe it's health issues, or maybe it's addictions. It, it could be any number of things. And, and let, me, let me just do this illustration here to, to, to maybe kind of just, just bring a better understanding to all this. If we say had, and, and we'll just use Stephen Paul here this morning. Say he's just crawled into this place. And try to parallel the physical illustration with the spiritual if you can. Let the Spirit, amen, help you with that this morning. But let's say he just crawls in out of the desert. He's sunburned. He's parched. His lips are dried. His tongue and they are beginning to crack. His throat is raw. And he crawls in here And he is able to pull himself up into one of these chairs. And he is literally dying of thirst. And let's just say that he is at the very place of dying if he doesn't get some water in the next few minutes. And here in the house, we have a bottle of purified drinking water. We have in the house what it will take to minister to his life against the threat of death. And it sits there on the shelf. Would everybody be in agreement that the right thing to do would be to take the vessel from the shelf and to open up the vessel, and to try to open his mouth with his help, and to pour into him what would save his life, I mean, can we all agree that that would be the right thing to do, that that would be the biblical thing to do? So she says, All I have is a flask of olive oil. What the problem is, we sometimes miss what's in the house and leave with a continual threat haunting our lives. We gather in here on a Sunday morning and we try to do things politically correct because we want to be a part of the majority of american churches and we know if we go against the current and we go against the grain and begin to try to perfect it biblically chances are we're going to become part of the minority And some of the faces that are here today won't be here next week. But what's happening is we continue to live under the threat and people leave with that haunting their lives. Here's the thing. Many times we miss overcoming the threat because we're focusing, listen now, because we're focusing on what we think we need instead of what we have. Because I'm sure that widow woman looked at that flask of oil and said, well, she didn't even look at it probably. She didn't even give it a thought. Because what was her words first to Elijah? Nothing at all. She considered that nothing at all. She cons- and, and understand that oil was used in healing in those days. Oil is also symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The oil was used to anoint priests and kings. And we find that over and over through the New Testament and even into the, uh, in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. That oil is representative healing, it's representative anointing, it's representative of God's Holy Spirit. And she looks at that vessel sitting on the shelf and she says, nothing at all. I don't have nothing at all. And then she goes, well, except that, you know, if you want to, Elijah, if you want to call that anything, well, I have that. And that's what we're, we're, we're struggling with. We're focusing on what we think we need instead of what we already have in the house. You see, if there are people sitting in these chairs on any given Sunday morning with the threat of slavery held over their body, soul, and spirit, then we need to recognize what we have in the house to eliminate the threat. You see, too many times the church is waiting on a fresh revelation. We're waiting on another prayer meeting. We're waiting on somebody to call a fast. We're waiting on a new song. We're waiting on a sanctuary makeover. We're waiting on a bigger crowd or we're waiting on some renowned speaker to come in so that we can break through the threat while vessels filled with the substance to cancel out the threat set on the church shelf. God. Her response to Elijah's question was, I have a flask of oil. She could have said, I have what's left after the olive has been through the process. In other words, I have what's left after that olive's flesh has been broken, crushed, and pulverized through the press. The flask of oil is what's sitting on the shelf in my house. i want to tell you what, we've got some people that have been under the press. They have been pulverized. They have been broken. They have been crushed for God to get them to a place and to, to draw out the substance that can annihilate the threat over the church. That's what was sitting on that woman's shelf. Uh, You know, it's, it's what's left. It used to hang on a tree, just a pretty green olive. But somebody plucked it from its comfort zone. And they put it under pressure. And the flesh began to be squeezed to the point that the pure stuff that was in it could be released and surface to fulfill a greater purpose. Than to satisfy somebody's appetite. Mm. It's been through the process. It's been through the crushing, the pulverizing, the breaking. If we want biblical correctness and we desire the threats over this house to be dealt with, then we need to uncap the anointed filled vessels in this house and pour them out just like we did last week. Instead of sitting around waiting on a God to show up that's already here. Three was filled with the Holy Ghost last week. Three people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost last week. Another came up to me before I could ever get out of the church and said, I'm ready to start speaking. I'm ready to start doing what God has called me to do. Another one said, I've never been used like that before. I've never been used like that before by God. And there was also a freedom from a spirit that wasn't of God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. God's putting some things in order. Here is what we must do: is we need to decide whether we're going to have a biblical correct church or a political correct church, because we can't have both. Job forty-two, the middle portion of verse eight and the end of verse nine. I know they don't break it down like that back there, so they're going to have it all up there on the board, but I'm just going to read the middle portion of verse 8 and the last portion of verse 9. Job 42, 8 and 9. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Was it because... The other three couldn't pray? Was it because they didn't know how to pray? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. There are certain times that God graces an individual within a group to act upon a biblical principle that he will accept and move upon to fulfill a specific purpose. This is God being God, church. There are certain times that God graces an individual within a group to act upon a biblical principle that he will accept and move upon to fulfill a specific kingdom purpose. We're not going to put these on the screen, but I'm going to just tell you in closing, and then we're we're, we're going to move into this altar service. In Genesis chapter 41... Genesis chapter 41, in verse 1, Pharaoh dreamed. I I believe everyone's familiar with the story of Joseph. If you're not, you need to get into that. It begins, I believe, about halfway through chapter 30 and pretty much runs through the rest of Genesis, and it is just awesome. Read about Joseph. It's encouraging. It's strengthening. Uh, it, it, It brings hope. Amen. Glory to God. In verse 1, Pharaoh dreamed. In verse 2, Pharaoh was... very very disturbed by the dreams in verse 14 pharaoh sent for joseph at once and he was quickly brought from the prison verse 39 god revealed the meaning of the dreams to joseph verse 41 pharaoh said to joseph i hereby put you in charge of the entire land of egypt Verse 57, people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. Many times what God, many times what has been graced with the power of God to overthrow the threat against our lives is confined to another area of the house. Many times, what's been graced with the power of God is confined to another portion of the house. Pharaoh was very disturbed. His mind was very messed up. He didn't know what to do. He called in everybody within his house. Within... His personal dwelling space. And none could interpret or eliminate the threat. But somewhere is connected to that house, maybe in the basement, the dungeon. Somewhere in that palace, in another part of the house, Joseph said. Sometimes, what has been grace with the power of God to eliminate the threat is confined. To another portion of the house. And because we're trying to please people and get it politically correct, people walk right back out the door week after week with a threat hanging and haunting their lives. I say it's time to get it biblically correct and loose God's children to do God's thing without criticizing, complaining, judging, jealousy, and rebellion. We've got to get away from this one-dimensional way of doing church. Because last week was nothing short of a move of God.